With long-forgotten knowledge, the Alzarians built their cages. Wrought from light itself, no fright could break free. They were ripped from their home in the spires, enslaved and siphoned for their power. This was the Alzarian legacy. Many have forgotten, but not all. From Elderblade Productions, this is Echoes of Exeser, Episode 6, Roll Them Bones. Dog's Luck is a game of liar's dice. A player rolls two six-sided dice in a cup, concealed from the others. That player then announces what was rolled, or lies, giving a higher or lower number. The higher of the two numbers takes the tens place. A three and a four make forty-three, a five and a six make sixty-five, and so on. The highest roll is twenty-one, Dog's Luck followed by doubles in descending order, 66, 55, 44. All other rolls follow in descending value, from 66 down to 31. What follows is an audition. Can you make the others believe what you want them to? After the first roll, the dice are passed to the player on the left. They must roll a higher number than yours, or lie and say they did. Any player can call you a dog on your turn, at which point you must reveal your role. If they catch your lie, you lose a life, one of six. If you speak true, they lose a life. Announcing dog's luck means double the lives. In some high-stakes games, players can also bet lives or trade them. Finally, the first person caught lying is named the dog, cannot take lives from players until they get dog's luck, or someone else is caught, at which point the title passes. All of us sat at one of the round tables in the fadeaway. Mr. Fade, Obsidian, Razo, the drailish man with the gilded horns, Arrowwind, the gun-toting kicktay and the white lace, and finally, myself, across from Mr. Fade. Everyone's hands rested anxiously on their drinks, and their weapons. In the center of the table were the fright-touched dice. Their pale, orange light shone like dying stars in the dimly lit bar. Mr. Fade cracked his knuckles, cool to the point of looking bored. He scooped up the fright dice in one hand, balled them up in his fist, and brought them to his lips. He spoke into the dice in a hushed, reverent tone. By the one, my fate is sealed. My brow creased at his words. Did he mean the Warden of Sunscape? 
Why swear by him? Mr. Fade passed the dice to Obsidian on his left. The bear man paused, then followed suit. The dice looked like flecks of amber in his massive hands. By the warden, my fate is sealed. This time, my heart began to race. I recalled the warden appearing from nowhere on the beach. How I had felt there was more to him than met the eye. How I took on a debt to him to gain access to Sunscape. At the time, I compared it to my debt with Isold. I am a fair man, but I expect my debts to be paid. Then I thought about Nyx, how his hand slammed down on the pair of dice in the town center. His hungry, wasted demeanor, his hatred for the warden. He doesn't need ears to hear us. The dice passed to me. Again, I felt the tantalizing pull of possibility. My thoughts became heavy, sluggish with greed. Once more, I felt the essence of the ebon mist roiling deep within my soul. I wanted both to destroy the dice and to be their master. My being was split in two, warring itself. And I knew, in some small, claustrophobic space in my mind, that I was right where the warden wanted me. Helpless to quell the riptide of the dice's will, my hand closed around them. Their warmth seemed to suck the heat out of my body. Shaking, I brought them to my lips. B by the warden, my fate is sealed. I am Claude Von Der. I shouted in my mind. Instinctively, I turned my forearm inward, concealing the mark of the ebon mist as it glowed ice blue. I am kin of the ebon mist. I would have audience with the spirits of this place. In that moment, the world around me seemed to fracture into two parts. There was the physical world, where I was playing a game of dog's luck in the fadeaway, and then another world, where my spirit roamed freely, untethered to my body. My consciousness had one foot in both worlds. In the physical world, I could see Mr. Fade, hear the piano playing, feel the warm dice beginning to burn my hand. In the other world, everything glowed with an ice-blue haze, including my spirit, a translucent copy of my physical body. I felt nothing, a complete absence of sensation, similar to when I traveled through a mist door. I had been here before many times. This was the shade, a pocket world between my own and all others. I came here whenever I used the power of the mist to parlay with the supernatural. It was a meeting ground for unbound forces, minds, souls, frights. One such fright approached me now. Through the ice-blue haze, 
strode a glowing, ethereal creature. Cloying orange energy consumed his body, leaving wispy trails of light behind him as he walked. I was so distracted by the sight, it was a moment before I realized his familiar features. Flower-embroidered robes and sandals, full lips and a wide-bridged nose, piercings along the brow, a hole in his right ear. Well met, Mr. Elaine, said the warden with a smile. Or should I call you Claude Von Der? While my spirit traded words with the warden, my body traded words with Mr. Fade. So, Mr. Fade said, as soon as the fright dice had passed to everyone, the pat. We have an Alzarian Rita at stake, per the request of Mr. Elaine, was it? I nodded, with considerable effort, now that my mind was split between two worlds. That's a high buy-in, friends. What's everyone else got? I have fond memories of my former shipmate in Ha, Obsidian said. We forged a loyal bond out in the sea of last breaths. You could sell those to a lonely soul looking for comfort. Mr. Fade considered Obsidian's offer. False memories are a big market these days. Not usually my racket, though. Still, I'll let it slide, seeing as it's your first time playing. His eyes fixed on me next. How about it, sailor? I strained my mind, forcing myself to focus. What could I bear to lose that would be of value to this man? I felt suddenly very much out of my depth. Calling out to the fright within the dice had been a last-ditch effort. I had hoped that perhaps I could have driven it away with the mist's power before the game ended. But seeing as that fright was the warden himself, it would prove to be much more of a challenge. I had no memories worth sharing, no possessions worth Mr. Fade's time. The Alzarian chip was far too valuable to risk losing. I had nothing else but the clothes on my back, my skin and bones. Skin and bones. Ten years, I said suddenly. Mr. Fade squinted at me, startled but intrigued. Come again? If these dice be working as you say, then I'll bet ten years of my life. Surely some old codger looking to stave off the pit a while will pay a handsome price for my ears. Mr. Fade's fingers twitched on the table. There was an uncertainty in his gaze, an apprehension. For a moment, I worried I had underbid. But then, Chakjima, he laughed. I recognized the word to mean something close to excellent in dusty Alzarian. Now it's a game. The other players wagered slightly safer fare. Raxo bet a year of his prized knife-throwing skills. Arrowwind, 
every pleasant dream she'd ever have. Then, Mr. Fade took a swig of his bourbon and placed the fright-touched dice in the cup. He held the cup high in one hand, rolling the dice inside casually. All right, friends. May the Walden set you free. He slammed the cup down. In the shade, my spectral form sat opposite the warden, in a table on the other side of the room. He leaned back in his chair, observing me with that same wide grin. The grin of a man who thought he had you pegged. How would it work? I tilted my head to the side. Pardon? Banishing me. Assuming you could, of course. How would Isolde have you do it? The question stalled me a moment. Not all frights were aware of the existence of kindred. Our kind were rare in the wake of the Alzerian extinction, forgotten on both sides of the shade. Yet there still remained some frights in Exeser older than the Sundering, old enough to remember the days when mortals and frights bound their souls together and parlayed for all manner of things both great and grim. The warden, apparently, was one of them. He wanted to know more about the Ebon Mist, and how I came to be involved in it. I shifted slightly in my seat. I became suddenly very aware of how open I was in the shade, how visible I was to my opponent. I had no drink to hide behind here, no drunken fool to point out and buy myself time. We were measuring each other, as was customary. In a parlay with a fright, the two entities banter, debate, criticize. Sometimes they play games or ask each other riddles. Other times they might share tales, songs, or even jokes. All of it with the purpose of learning more about one another. If one can find and name a hidden truth in the other, some deep desire, some insidious flaw, they could be banished. For a fright, that could simply mean being forced out of the area, or it could mean being flung through the shade to realms unknown. A lucky few I had banished returned to their home plane of existence, the whispering spires. For a kindred like myself to be banished, well, seeing as it hadn't happened, I didn't really know. Not yet, anyway. I did my best to keep a cool expression in front of the warden. Oh, I figured I'd do the usual. Throw some salt on the ground, maybe wave Aiden's torque at you and recite the Thralesh. If we'd been in the physical realm, the fadeaway's walls would have rattled from the warden's bellowing guffaw. Ha ha ha, and funny as well. Isolde has fine taste in pawns. All at once, the laughter in his face died replaced by a look of mock concern. He leaned in close. Oh, you knew that, I hope. 
that she's just using you as cannon fodder to be loaded up and smashed against my broadside. I take it there's some history between you two. The warden shrugged, his face non-committal. A few spats over the centuries, but nothing consequential. We both make elusive targets for the other. It's as hard to kill a shadow as it is to kill the greed of mortals. His pierced brow curled at me as he said this last part, as though beckoning a challenge. I have no doubt. And would you believe me if I said you weren't my target? The warden leaned back in his chair, put his hands behind his head, and propped his feet up on the table. Do tell. I'm after something called Everwake. A person, a group, or something else I don't know. But it's poisoning the dreams of mortals, driving them mad. I need to discover what they're after and stop them. The warden nodded along. If he knew of what I spoke, he did not betray it on his face. He seemed to regard my story with casual detachment, the way one might ponder a leaf as it floated down a river. Ill tides, sailor. I've never heard of this Everwake. Sounds like yet another story of mortals meddling in things they don't understand abusing the powers of my kind for their own gain. Which is nothing at all like what you do, I said curtly, tilting my head towards my own dice game in play on the other side of the bar. I thought again of Nix, how the warden and his twisted game had left him broken and withered on the streets of Sunscape. I only give as good as I've gotten, I've watched the Alzarians enslave my people, snaring them in their crude cages, torturing them. They screamed, and the Alzarians called it song. Personally, I think that's worth a few sorry muckspawn losing their shirts. This time, the warden tilted his head playfully at the game on the other side of the room. Speaking of which... 41, announced Mr. Fade. He passed the cup to Obsidian. The bear man carefully shook the cup and turned it over. He concealed the roll with his meaty arm. I heard no sound of the dice hitting the table, but Obsidian squinted to read them all the same. 54. The cup and dice passed to me. I picked up the cup, placed my other hand on its lid, and shook. The heat from the dice pulsed around the cup as they rattled inside, creating an almost hypnotic flow in my hands. After a time, I forced myself to slam the cup upside down onto the table. I tilted the cup's lid and looked at the dice. Thirty-one. My eyes met Raxo's to my left. I had half a breath to consider my answer. Must be higher than fifty-four, I thought, but not too high, nor too low, or should I call dog's luck? Sixty-one. Raxo's eyes 
purple and pupilless, held mine in tense silence. Finally, he reached over and claimed the cup and dice with his gauntleted hand. He rolled. Sixty-five... Dag, called Mr. Fade, before the words finished leaving Raxo's mouth. Grimacing, Raxo lifted the cup to reveal his roll. Thirty-two. As soon as the roll was revealed, Raxo gasped in pain. There was a sizzling sound and the smell of burning flesh. Raxo clutched his left hand, wincing as a mark seared its way onto his palm. The puffy red scar bore a number. Five. Looks like we drew first blood, Mr. Fade said casually, void of any apparent regard for the pain of his fellow player. The dice passed on. Forty-three to Arrowwind. Eleven to Mr. Fade, our first double. Obsidian topped it with thirty-three. Again, the dice were mine. I rolled, feeling the rhythmic lull of the warm, soundless dice in the cup. I slammed the cup down and looked. Twenty-one. Dog's luck, I announced. Dag, Mr. Fade called. Smirking, I lifted the cup for everyone to see. I was surprised to find the result was met with snickering and knowing groans. I looked down again. Eleven. The dice had changed. My confusion was overtaken by a desperate pain in my left hand. I watched the number four cut a hot swath across my palm. When it was done, the pain subsided, leaving only a throbbing sting. I looked up and searched the eyes of the other players, incredulous. Mr. Fade's face was stone, though I couldn't help but notice a twinge in his neck muscles, as though he were fighting to suppress a laugh. Far to go, he said. When my spirit looked back at the warden, his eyes were twinkling. Realization dawned on me. You moved the dice. The warden stood up and shrugged. A precaution, he said, striding over to the game and leaning his arms thoughtfully on the table. Never hurts to have a backup plan, in case you turn out to be more formidable than you seem. As I said before, my quarrel is with Everwake. Let me walk out of here with the reader, and you can go back to cheating people out of life and limb. I, for now. The warden fixed his gaze on my physical form seated at the table. I saw his ghostly grip tighten on the table's edge. You are not the first kin to be poking around my island of late. The other frights of this realm are forgetting themselves. Testing me. It's high time I set an example. I opened my mouth to retort, but stopped when the warden turned to me. Something was changing. It began in his eyes. The hazy, orange glow intensified within them. Then, his teeth sharpened, each coming to a triangular point. The warden opened his mouth wide, and by the light of his body's glow I could see several more rows of teeth sprouting up inside. 
From deep within his bowels, I heard a rumbling. Something long and oily slithered up his throat and out of his mouth. A tendril. Then a second tendril. And a third. Within moments, scores of writhing tendrils emerged from the warden's mouth and wrapped around his body. They covered his entire face and frame until he looked like a homunculus of glowing orange worms. On random spots of his body, the tendrils parted, revealing gaping maws with similar rows of shark-like teeth. I steeled myself, trying to talk down my growing unease. This is intimidation, I thought. A common tactic in parlay. He's trying to goad me, distract me, throw me off guard. I mustn't... I see you, said the warden through a dozen mouths as he stepped towards me. Several tendrils extended from his hands to the floor, and the warden cracked them like nine-tail whips. I see you for what you are. Isolde would have you play at war and subterfuge, but I know her too well. I know the sort she seeks. You lost something, didn't you? I hear the yearning in your every word. You came to your mistress for help, and she threw you to the wolves. You're in so very far over your head, Claude Vondere. Suddenly, the warden snapped the whip-like tendrils at me. I attempted to dodge out of the way, but the tendrils struck my ankle and latched on, looping around my leg like a boa constrictor. My hands scrambled for something to grasp as the warden heaved my thrashing spirit closer to his dozen gaping maws. And deep down, you know it. The dice kept rolling. Each round brought fresh losses. The marks on our hands shifted painfully every time to reflect how many lives we each had left. Towards the end, Obsidian and Arrowwind were both flagging at two lives each. Raxo was the first to bow out a few unwise dog calls bleeding him of lives. When the mark on his hand shifted to zero, his body seized up in his chair, and his eyes rolled back in his head. A strand of pearl-white light was pulled from the center of his forehead and absorbed into the fright-touched dice. When it was done, Raxo's body relaxed, and his head lifted. He looked pale and a wash of shame and loss passed over his face. Mr. Fade sat comfortably at six lives. I was at one. The dice continued to change as I called them out. Every time, Mr. Fade was the one to call Dog. The others had been too busy minding their own numbers to notice the trend. The dice passed to me, along with everyone's gaze. Mr. Fade, in particular, had an almost animalistic glare, eyes wide and wild like a cat poised for the kill. In the silence that followed, I considered him. The confidence he had this entire game, his penchant for roping others into it. He had the warden's aid, 
they were kin, that much was certain. But where I was indebted to Isolde, their relationship seemed different. It dawned on me. I've got him, I thought. I just need to buy some time. Well, I'll be buggered, Lenny, I chortled. Seems you've rigged all rudders to run aground, you have. Mr. Fade proffered his open hands in a what-can-I-say gesture. Still, everyone's luck got to run out sometime, eh? Took me a tick to figure your game out, I admit. But now, I think my compass be pointing north. Good for you, Mr. Fade said with an edge of impatience. Aye, so what say we make this interesting, eh? I snatched the dice up in my hand as I turned to Obsidian and Arrowwind. Friends, this bloke's going to walk away with the pot if we let him. I propose a counter-wager. You all forfeit, and he and I go toe-to-toe for one more round. If I win, you'll get your wages back. What say? And why would we trust you? Arrowwind asked. As far as I can tell, you're doing worse than we are. He's got a point, though, Raxo said, eyeing Mr. Fade. Boss is cleaning up. We're all fixing to lose our shirts as it is. Obsidian said nothing, eyes staring off deep in thought. The table seemed noncommittal, whispering amongst themselves. Mr. Fade's brow arched my way, bemused and non-threatened. Allow me to sweeten the pot, I said. Fifty years of my life if I lose. Twenty to Fade, the rest divided amongst yourselves. My words hushed the table. They stared at me, mouths open, stunned. Obsidian broke the silence. I will forfeit. Arrowwind, face pale in disbelief, nodded. I... me too. Mr. Fade shot me a venomous leer. I ignored it, along with the pounding of my heart. Din's blood let me be right. The room fell deathly silent as I rolled the dice. Commanding my voice to be steady, I said, Walden set us free, right, Lenny? The warden's tendrils closed around my spirit's limbs, throat, and eyes. I felt his many razor-toothed mouths clamp down over my body. Piercing, seething pangs racked my spirit as I fought, bound and blind, against the monster. I... I see you too. Warden of Sunscape. I choked out. You... You would have me believe you hold this island in your palm and everyone in it. Of course I do, mortal. I collect the lost, the broken, the filthy from your world. I shackle them just as my kind were once shackled. Once, or yet now, Warden. At this, the Warden's attack halted. 
He did not release me, but I felt the grip begin to loose. I pressed on. You, you're right. Mortals are good at all the wrong things. And we are slow to learn. What are you? You and Lennox Fade are kin. But he did not bind himself to you. You bound yourself to him. He won you in a game of dice, and now he uses you as his fisherman, snaring souls from the sea, trapping them with addiction and debt. Sunscape calls you warden, but only because it suits your master. I felt the tendrils retract as the warden stumbled away from me. I saw the homunculus quiver and undulate until the tendrils receded from his head. I saw the warden's face again, void of the cool confidence he normally wore. No, no, I'm the one using him. He'll see in time. I, I just need enough fish. Someday, they'll all be in debt to the warden, and then... Warden of Sunscape, you are as much a prisoner as the rest of this island. I rose, stretching out my right hand. The mark of the ebon mist lit up once more, only this time my entire arm erupted in ice-blue flame. Isolde will come for you in time, but for now, in the name of the ebon mist, I cast you from this house. The blue fire launched from my arm and struck the warden, engulfing his orange frame. I heard a dozen wails in harmonized agony. The warden fell to the ground and flailed in the flames. In time, the inferno condensed and shrank, until naught but a few scant embers remained. The warden of Sunscape was gone, at least for now. Suddenly... The ice-blue haze of the shade brightened, blinding me with its light, as I felt my spirit being pulled back into my body. Dag, I said. I blinked. My consciousness had become whole again, no longer split between the physical world and the shade. Mr. Fade was scraping his nail against the table, clearly anxious. The others looked at me expectantly. Confused, I glanced down at my left hand. I was elated to see the branded number had completely disappeared. I looked down at the dice, noting the orange glow had also disappeared, along with the hypnotic pull. The dice read, 21. I lifted the cup, leaned back in my chair, and took a long overdue swig of bourbon. Lenny, old chap, I believe you owe me a reader. Echoes of Exeser is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand and freesound.org. Questions or comments, email us at echoesofexeser at gmail.com.